All right. So how you doing? I'm doing all right. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter, and I want to welcome everyone out to the greatest place to be on a Friday night. Hey, wherever you are, actually, we are live around the country. People can tune in live on our Facebook page starting tonight. They can't see you, okay, which is good. You don't want, okay, uh, but we want to protect everyone's confidentiality and anonymity. They just see what's going on up here. And I want to welcome you to the kickoff of our Holy Spirit series. And uh, you, you guys are going to just be in for a ride. It's going to be amazing. We're going to do four weeks on the Holy Spirit. Uh, today's uh, talk is going to be Don't Be Afraid. We're going to do the next talk will be The Guiding Light, Power for a Purpose. And we're going to wrap it up with Have a Drink on Me, not to be confused with the ACDC song. And so, uh, again, I want to welcome everyone, even people, our friends from Kentucky. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, but again, welcome to the first of many talks on the Holy Spirit. Now, at Encounter, which I love, most of our messages point to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, because that's the key to living the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for. It's the key to getting over our hurts, habits, our hang-ups, our, our sin issues, our brokenness. It's the key to experiencing the power of God, the grace of God, the wisdom of God, experiencing the peace of God. Hear the voice of God, experiencing the miracles of God, and discovering the will of God for your life. You experience all of that, you're going to have a pretty good life. So how many of you would like to have all those things in your life? All of you, that's right. Then don't be afraid, because the difference between defeated followers and overcomers are those who know how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. If you embrace everything that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, nothing and nobody will be able to stop the plan of God for you in your life. So before we go into who and how the Holy Spirit operates in our lives, I'd like to address those of you that are wondering, why in the world are you doing a, a series on the Holy Spirit at Encounter? I mean, I just really want to get well. I'm all in with making Jesus my higher power, and so many of you have made that decision. I'm so proud of you. But before you can tap into your higher power, you have to surrender your heart, life, and will to Christ's care and control. Well, is that when Jesus becomes my higher power? No, stay with me. Listen to the words of Jesus speaking to the disciples after he rose from the dead, before his ascension. And this is going to be our memory verse for the week. Each week we have a memory verse, and it's found in Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let's say that all together but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Let's do it again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Each and every week here at Encounter, I'm hoping that you'll bring a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the back seat that you can pick one up. You're going to need a Bible to tag along, to stay with us for this series and all the teachings here on, on Friday night. And so I encourage you to do that. We also have Bibles at our information table but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Listen, Jesus never said he was anyone's higher power. When we repent, believe, and receive Jesus into our hearts, the Holy Spirit lives in us and is the highest power ever. Amen. Jesus is not to be put in the same category as a doorknob or a tree. Neither is the Holy Spirit, who is a person, a very important person, who not only lives in us, but gives us power gives us power, making him 
the only power we'll ever need in this life. And if you need a power greater than yourself to help you when you're powerless to change your past, manage your pain, manage your habits, change your character defects, to help you overcome the attacks of the enemy, to overcome the storms of this life, then you have to become a spirit-filled, spirit-minded, spirit-guided, empowered person. There's no greater life than becoming a Romans 8.14 person that those that are led by the Spirit of God are called sons of God. When you want to stop doing all the destructive things in your life that affect your mind, your body, and your soul, like drugs, alcohol, prescription meds, past hurts that lead to anger and bitterness, or whatever it is that keeps you stuck, the first thing you have to do is stop making foolish decisions. And then you got to start discovering God's will for your life. And when you do that, you got to let the Holy Spirit fill your mind, your body, and your soul with his wisdom, and most importantly, his power. That's why we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. Agreed? Look what it says in Ephesians 5, 17, and 18. It says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. It's one of my nicknames growing up. Instead, it says, you would think that the, that the very next thing Scripture would say is then don't drink. But that's not the answer. But the answer is instead be filled with the Spirit. You see, that's the answer. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't do all these destructive things in your life. But here's the answer. Be filled with the Spirit. So we're going to take an encounter look and perspective of the Holy Spirit and how he is the essential part of actually every step. I'm going to break down in all the steps because if you dig deep, you'll find the Holy Spirit in all the steps. For example, if you admit that you're powerless to control your tendency to do the wrong thing, that your life is unmanageable, you've come to the conclusion that you're not God. We've been talking about that for the past few weeks. And you're unable to manage your life on sheer willpower. Well, first of all, you just never come to your senses all of a sudden on your own. You don't just wake up and say, you know what, I stink at playing God without supernatural intervention. See, the process of even coming to your senses and even contemplating if there's a God in heaven and if you can help me get out of this pit and that I'm open to you coming into my life never happens without the Holy Spirit starting to work on your life. No one ever wakes up and says that instinctively without someone praying for them, without the Holy Spirit wooing them and drawing them to God. You see, the Holy Spirit is working on your life even before, even before you know anything about him or want anything to do with him. And when that happens, guess what happens? You start to earnestly believe that God exists, that you matter to him. And that he has the power to help you recover. When you start thinking like that, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's God planning his thoughts in you through his Holy Spirit. Any and all truth of God that is revealed to you, that takes root in your heart, is only accomplished with the Holy Spirit's power. Yes, God uses people. Yes, he uses circumstances. But for anything to take root where you believe and receive anything from God, is always the work of the Holy Spirit. Everything that takes place in your life before you surrender your life to Jesus Christ is what we call an inside job, like the mob guys talk about, of God using his Holy Spirit to draw you in. 
and eventually seal you in with a guarantee. And that guarantee coming in the form of the Holy Spirit. John 6, says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. How does the Father draw them? Not sure I know how, but I know who he uses to draw them, and that's through the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we open up our hearts and believe and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, trusting him and him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the free gift of eternal salvation, a real transaction takes place. And we're born again. We're made into new creations. Well, guess what? You can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Guess who else can't do that? Well, it's not that they can't. It's just that they won't and they don't. The Father or even Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit does that. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 3, 5 through 8. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. What's going to happen when you do that? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that more in this series. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, having believed, you were marked in him. Here's that guarantee. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So as you can see, becoming a follower of Jesus and being born again is made possible only by the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, once we do that, once we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, the very next thing that we should do is inventory our lives. We should take an account of our lives to discover how we became the person we are so that we can get to the root of every issue and have it healed in Jesus' name so we can be free of our shame, our guilt, our pain, and once and for all make our past our past. And when we embark on the adventure of self-discovery by just getting honest with ourselves, trusted people, and God, we have to do a moral and spiritual inventory. And when you do that, you're praying a prayer. Here's one of many prayers that you can pray. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. See, you're praying to God but the answer that you get from God is from the Holy Spirit. And whatever he tells you, he's going to do your inventory for you. And we're going to learn later in this series that the two major jobs of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into truth and to convict us of our sins. See, you cannot do a complete and successful inventory without the Holy Spirit doing it for you. If you do it, if I do it, I'm going to come out looking pretty peachy. The Holy Spirit does it. He's going to reveal every truth in your life and all the changes that you need to make. So we allow him to do our inventory for us. When you get to the next step, which is to allow God to make the changes 
that he wants to make and giving God the latitude to remove all your defects of character, there's a mindset that you have to have that can only be produced by the Holy Spirit. No one ever wakes up happy to obey God's commands. You don't just wake up saying, I can't wait to do everything God wants me to do today. You don't just wake up that way and submit to all the changes God wants to make in your life without the Holy Spirit working in your lives. Two byproducts of the Holy Spirit working in your life, listen to me very carefully, I don't want to lose you right now, is love and joy with joy always following love. If you have love, you have joy. If you know love, you know real joy. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have love, therefore you have joy. If you have the Holy Spirit working in you, he will produce love, joy, patience, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control in your life. It's an inside job. That's why they call it the fruits of the Spirit. God's looking for good fruit, not religious nuts. Listen, self-help does not work. Willpower does not work. It is God giving us the will and the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. So if you want joy, you got to accept love before you're able to love. Because you're incapable of loving until the lover of your soul, Jesus Christ, floods your heart with his Holy Spirit to fill that void that only he can fill, that only love can fill. And when that void gets flooded with his love, guess what? You have joy. And you'll never know true love until you've been truly forgiven by Jesus. Experience forgiveness, you'll experience love. Experience love, you'll experience real joy. Those that have been forgiven much, they love much. Love is not an emotion you experience. Love is a personal relationship found in a relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Son of God, who loved you first and loves you more than you could ever love yourself or love someone else. When you allow that love to come and live inside of you through the Holy Spirit, then you become a person of love. That's God's love letter to you. Hateful, bitter, resentful Christians may have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, but because of their bitterness and unforgiveness in their hearts, they keep the Holy Spirit inside of them prisoner, on the ball and chain, lock and key. And what they never realize is they're, they're keeping themselves locked up. They're their own prisoner in their own self-induced prison of bitterness, lacking any power, love, joy, and peace from God. They never experience freedom, and eventually they destroy everything around them, including themselves. Their joy comes from gossip, backbiting, devouring, and destroying other people. Look at how the Apostle Paul wraps up his letter in Galatians, actually talking about this. This is one of the early churches was having this type of problem. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Be aware of destroying one another. Again, here's the answer. So I say let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. We're going to be breaking this down in this series. 
These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed, when you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation to the law of Moses. But when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, watch this, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. This was the 70s, the 80s, and the early 90s just for me. <laughs> Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living, notice it says living, not who has done. It's who continues to do this all their lives. That, that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross. You're going to hear a lot about the finished work of Jesus at Encounter, about what it means to trust in the finished work of Jesus on that cross. And they crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, well, let's follow the Spirit's leading. Not just in some areas of our lives, but in every area, every part of our lives. You're going to live a great life if you do that. The next thing we need to do is make amends to those we have hurt and forgive those who have hurt us. Again, those that have been forgiven much, they what? They love much. They love much because the Holy Spirit is guiding them into the truth of God's love. An overwhelming peace is flooding their hearts at the thought and the reality of not only being forgiven, but extending that forgiveness. Peace from God, it's supernatural. It's miraculous. It's life-changing. It's healing. The world can't give it. It can't mass-produce it or even come close to the healing power of God's peace. Only those who have been forgiven and extend God's forgiveness experience this type of God's peace. Peace comes over us by the person and work of the Holy Spirit of God. Don't you want that peace in your life? You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and direct you and to lead you. Now as we progress through the steps, I'm teaching you all the steps tonight, by the way. You don't even know that. <laughs> to maintain our growth and stay on a healthy discipleship track, we need to meditate and inventory our lives on a daily basis. Guess, guess with who? The Holy Spirit. We need to spend time in God's Word every day asking the Holy Spirit to guide us along the way. We need to pray with the Holy Spirit because He knows how to pray better than us. And when you do a self-evaluation with God every day, the Holy Spirit does that for you. When you read your Bible, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, teach me your word. You wrote it. Just guide me in your word. Like it says in Psalm 25, 5. Guide me in your truth. Teach me, for you are God, my Savior. Holy Spirit, pray with me. Teach me to pray. Teach me how I can pray your word, your promises, your protection over my life. Now, friends, I'm not talking about normal praying, just every day, God, thank you for the sunshine, all that stuff. That's good. 
But I'm also talking about praying when you don't have an ounce of strength and even a breath to carry on. I'm talking about when you feel like giving up, when you're at your lowest and weakest point in your life, when you've exhausted every option, when you've pushed every button, pulled every lever, and you don't even have, you don't even have an ounce of strength to keep on keeping on. You don't even know if you're going to make it another day. I'm talking about that type of praying. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to pray with you and for you, like it says in Romans 8, 26, 27, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. We're going to be talking about how you can receive that gift. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. It may sound like mumbo-jumbo to you, but the Father knows what the Spirit is saying. And here's what he's praying. Here's what he's saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. You can be sure of that. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So here's the deal. The Holy Spirit's praying for you, and he wants to pray with you at your weakest moment. I'm telling you, you got to go to the throne before you go to the phone because God wants to be with you through the power of his Holy Spirit. Now, moving on, the next step is to give away this message of hope by service, by sharing your story, evangelizing, and giving everything you have away. You do that by finding your purpose and mission in life. You do that by yielding your life to the leading of the Holy Spirit. When you yield yourself to God, you're yielding to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God's only agent on planet Earth. Stay with me. Remember, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We're going to be talking about this. Here's the rest of that scripture. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, in Canyon Country, Santa Clarita, Burbank, California One, everywhere. See, I have learned that the most attractive quality in any person is not their looks, but the Holy Spirit who lives in them. And the standout, the hot ones, attractive people are the ones who allow the Holy Spirit to work in them and produce good fruit, who will allow the Holy Spirit to work in them in all areas of their lives, to produce patience, kindness, love, and all the fruits of the Spirit. He does so with a purpose. See, he makes you a good witness to unbelievers. God wants good representation. Charles Stanley said in his book, The Wonderful Spirit Life, Spirit-Filled Life, the most powerful sermon in the world can't match the power of a Holy Spirit-empowered life. Why? Because unbelievers are not merely impressed with what we believe and preach. Trust me, I can tell you. As they are with how we act, especially under pressure. They're watching you. They're watching you handle pressure. See, nothing makes the kingdom of God more attractive to an unbeliever than believers whose lives are characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. On the other hand, nothing is a greater stumbling block 
for unbelievers than believers whose lives are characterized by the deeds of the flesh. People who talk about Jesus, but don't live it out. Like it says in 2 Timothy 3.5, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. At encounter, it's impossible to yield myself to God to be used both by my example and by my, and by my words without the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us and allowing him to produce the fruit that he wants to put on display for the whole world to see. Now the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. That's what Jesus called him. The word comfort in the Greek literally means to strengthen by being with The Holy Spirit strengthens us by being with us. Whatever you go through in life, he'll never leave you. When you walk through the fire, the flood, the storms in life, I am with you always, God says. How is he with us? Father's not here. Jesus is not here. Through the Holy Spirit. Now in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would often come upon people, move people, anoint them, would come and go. But in the New Testament, when Christ ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit became a permanent part of our lives. He's always with us, and he'll never leave us. And if you're a believer, he's just not with you. He's in you. God's Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you to give you the power to live a life of hope. Samuel Chadwick said, Christianity is hopeless without the Holy Spirit. Yet there are so few books written about the Holy Spirit. Yet he's God's only agent on planet Earth. Here's the easiest breakdown. The Father sent the Son, the Son did his work, and he promised he would send the Holy Spirit. Here's the words of Jesus. It's better for you that I go. Unless I go, the Holy Spirit will not come. Well, how's that better? Why is that better? Jesus is the man. It's better because something was accomplished by the Holy Spirit that Jesus could not do. See, Jesus can only teach from outside their bodies, but he can never get inside where the real problem lies. See, the problem is always within us. See, out of the heart, the problems of life develop its roots. Jesus said, I've been with you. but When the Holy Spirit comes, he will be in you. And he starts working and changing us from the inside out. See, the Bible defines a follower of Jesus as someone who's been born again and the Holy Spirit lives in them. Jesus is with the Father, the Father's with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit lives in us. Yet so underpreached, misunderstood, underappreciated is the Holy Spirit. I was thinking about calling this series the other guy. (laughs) The only way we can understand the Bible is through the Holy Spirit. The only way we can have the power to change is through the Holy Spirit. Yet, he's the most neglected member of the Trinity. Francis Chan did a book called The Forgotten One. And yet, everything in the New Testament centers around his power and his work. For example, the church didn't begin when the disciples began following Jesus. The church began when the Holy Spirit came upon them. The life of Peter is a great example of how the Holy Spirit changes us. I love this guy. Peter's like a fumbling, sort of stumbling disciple. Great promise. Always the first one to volunteer. 
great potential, but always saying the wrong thing, always misunderstanding Jesus, just like us, just like me. Now, did Peter have a great teacher? He had the best, right? Did he have the word of God being taught and fed into him three years straight, every day, from the Son of God? Did he have a great model, a great teacher, a great example? He had the best. He had Jesus. What did it do for him? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Not the night, on the night Jesus was taken away, Peter fled like everyone else. He does even more. He denied him three times. Where was the three years of teaching that Jesus poured into Peter? What happened? Where was all the discipleship training? Where was his faith? Where was his trust? Where was Peter's resolve and strength? It wasn't there because no outward teaching can replace the inward work of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, he starts preaching with boldness and power. We see him acting with wisdom and courage. He's a different Peter. First time he opens up his mouth after the Holy Spirit came upon him, I think 3,000 people got saved. I'd say that's pretty successful. Jesus says, it's better for you that I go. Because unless I go, the Holy Spirit won't come. I've been with you, but he'll be in you. Friends, I think what we need in this series is a clear understanding and teaching of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So tonight was just an informational talk. Just information. The next three talks on this series, they're going to be inspirational talks about the Holy Spirit. Power for a purpose, the guiding light. Have a drink on me. We're going to talk about living water. See, Paul calls Christians the temple of the Holy Spirit because we are inhabited by the Holy Spirit. And this is what makes Christians different than anyone else on planet Earth. Every other religion or doctrine is an attempt to teach you their way of living. But followers who really trust in Jesus, who really repent turn to Jesus, have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And one of the problems about preaching and appreciating the Holy Spirit is that I found is that there's almost a prejudice with one side, well, I just want the Word. Well, the Holy Spirit wrote the Word, and he speaks a lot about himself in the Word. Another problem is people have made a Holy Spirit religion centering just around the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not Christianity because Christianity is always centered around Christ. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he won't speak of himself and will never draw attention to himself. What he's going to do is put the spotlight on Jesus Christ and make the things of Christ real to us so that we can apply them to our lives in a practical way. Christianity for some is about the cross and no resurrection power in their lives. That's a huge problem and reason why people and even churches struggle. And they have no victory in their lives from their hurts, their habits, their hang-ups, their sin patterns, their brokenness. But when Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood, he took care of the past. The past is gone. All of our sins are forgiven. But there's another problem. They're to be forgiven, never to be remembered ever again. But all of us, even though we know that, all of us know we have another problem. Even if you take care of my past, wash away my sins, and say everything that 
that I've done is forgiven, will never be remembered again, I still have a problem. You know what the problem is? What about today? How am I going to get through today? How about tomorrow when the evil one comes to tempt me? When I got trouble knocking on my door? How am I supposed to reproduce the life of Christ in me? By my own self-effort? How can I recover from the issues in life that have kept me stuck? I will tell you that there is nothing, nothing in Bill Reeser apart from the Holy Spirit that can produce anything Christ-like or do anything good or lasting for the kingdom or anyone here without the Holy Spirit living inside of me. The Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Spirit. He is the one who strengthens us, empowers us when we're weak, teaches us how to pray, guides us into truth, explains the truth of God's word to us, is our personal interpreter of the Bible, helping us understand what the Bible says about everything. He's the one that gives us peace and power when we need it most, examining us, even becoming our moral compass, convicting us when we sin, which is a good thing, exposing us for who we really are so that we can know how deep, how wide the love of God really is and experience grace in its most purest form, changing us from the inside out, producing good fruit in us that's going to last so that people, when they see the Holy Spirit in us, they will know that God has touched our lives and that we are his and he is ours and we have someone living inside of us that makes that possible. No one has the power and grace to live out God's plan for their lives without the Holy Spirit living inside of them. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, not just by the power of the cross, but by the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to ask you today, don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of having real love come into your heart. Don't be afraid of having real power. Don't be afraid of having a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, but of love and a sound mind. That's the Holy Spirit giving you love, power, and a sound mind. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. I hope you want that. I hope you'll be with us for this series. So I want to share a story as I, bring, as I wrap up tonight's teaching. You know, it's one thing to say you're spirit-filled. The problem with being spirit-filled is, is that sometimes when you're full, sometimes the tank gets low and you need a refilling. We're going to talk about that as well, too. I'll never forget how the Holy Spirit helped me out one day. I had just finished my sharing my testimony for the first time ever in my life, many, many years ago, just a long, long time ago. And it was the first time I ever shared it was in the state of Kentucky, and, and I shared it at a church, and, and they televised their, their services. I didn't realize, but everyone in the state of Kentucky saw the service and instantly a ministry was started between me and my wife. And you think you're on the mountaintop. And you think that you're, you're following God and say, oh, wow, God, you finally used me to, you know, you let me, allow me to share my story for the first time. And it was just a few, not, not much longer, maybe a month later, a few weeks later, I was just having a bad day. I was in my car, I was driving. I was, on a, I was driving in Kentucky, which is hard enough. And... Uh, I'm a New York driver, and, uh, and I get a phone call from an agent from the IRS. And it just wasn't a nice person from the IRS. Something happened, and this person must have had a really, really bad day and starts reaming into me, threatening me, 
you know, that I owe all this money, is yelling at me, and, and I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out. And I'm driving in my car, and someone is following, someone is really, really close to me while I'm on the phone with an IRS agent. And they're really, really close to me. And they're driving and driving and driving. So I do the Christian thing. You know, I hit my brakes really hard. You know. And, and the guy behind me gets really, really mad. And then, and then he's really, really mad. And, and then he follows me into this shopping center. And as I'm walking into this shopping center, he's driving along. He's yelling at me. He's cursing me. And uh, he pulls down his window. I pull my down my window. I'm on the phone with the IRS agent on the other line who's yelling at me. This guy's yelling at me. And he says something to me, and I say something back to him that was not in Scripture. <laughs> That's all I'll say. And then he follows me in my car. I'm trying to get away from him, but then he follows me into his parking lot, and it's wide open. And I, we, get in this park, we get in this parking spot, and he's coming after me. I get out of my car, and I'm ready to go. I'm saying, oh, this guy's, this guy's going gonna to try and take me out. And I'm, ready, I'm, I'm just ready to knock this guy out. I'm so uptight. I'm not in the spirit. I'm acting in the flesh. I'm about to lose it. I'm about to lose it because I'm ready to knock this guy between his eyes. And I'll never forget what happened at that moment. In, 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 in this moment where I could have blown everything, I could have lost a ministry. I could have I, I lost it. I remember just taking my hand like this because I was just used to just one punching guys out and they would be knocked out. And I remember just taking my arm like this and cocking it back like this. And as I was ready to just release it, in the corner of my eye, in the guy's truck, I saw three of his kids looking at their daddy. And I'd like to say it was me, but I had nothing to do with this. And unbeknownst to me, out of my control, something grabbed my hand and my arm and took my fist like this and opened up my hands like this to the man and just said, hey man, I'm just so sorry. I said, I should have never done that to you back there. I should have never said those things. And I said, and don't do this in front of your kids. I said, uh, can you please forgive me? And the guy just started crying, and, and he just walked away. And, and the Holy Spirit saved me that day. Who knows what would have happened if I didn't allow the Holy Spirit to take over that situation? Maybe I wouldn't be here today. I don't know. But I could have lost it. Because when you are led by the Spirit of God. You are empowered by God. Being a follower of Jesus, when I say that, you know why I love saying that? Because the Holy Spirit will always let me know the areas of my life I'm not following him in. Let me close with this passage. You know, the Apostle Paul knew that we would have a hard time comprehending the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I think he wrote in Ephesians this passage. And he said this. He says, I keep asking 
the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. He may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably, incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Did you catch that? And his incomparably great power for us who believe. I hope you'll tap into the power of the Holy Spirit as we embark on this series. Father, we just thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that Jesus says, it's better for you that I go. Otherwise, the counselor would not come. He will guide us into truth. He will convict the world of sin. He will pray for us. He will give us peace. And he will give us the power to live the abundant life that you died for. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.